Welcome back to another episode of the Adrian Bow podcast featuring Troy Mountain. AB, thank you so much for joining us again on your podcast and congratulations on the results that we're seeing. I think uh, last I looked, you put on um, on your social media channels, but we jumped up like 80 spots in the top 100 yep. or 200 podcasts throughout Apple iTunes and Spotify. So down on different categories, but amazing results. So congratulations. Today's episode is episode number 126. And AB, yes. our followers have asked for it. They keep sending in questions. Yep. This has been a repeat question by so yes. many people that we thought we'd cover it off. But before I do that, Adrian, you've had uh, a couple of big weeks. Yep. We've been back in the market it was the official big first weekend of auctions throughout most metropolitan markets last weekend being the 5th of february um how yes. are you finding things out there uh you've had some great results i see yeah it's interesting question troy and obviously that is a good segue into what four listeners have actually messaged us about which is what do we say to buyers and sellers who ask us How's the market? Because there's so much media hype at the moment in terms of the comparison to 2021, which was an anomalous boom, let's face it. No one has ever seen growth between 20 and 30% in any market. And for that to occur over a 12-month period is absolutely an outlier in any market globally, Mm -hmm. okay? So the big question for everyone is, well, what's 2022 going to look like? And that's what a few people have, have asked us today in terms of what's the best response. And you're right, Troy, last Saturday was probably the first true barometer or indicator, if you will, even though some agents have been back for a number of weeks. But however, I would have thought last Saturday would have been the first sensible uh, gauge in terms of the amount of numbers because there are a lot of people still away. Uh, A lot of people were uh, involved in uh, some sort of quarantine or isolation because of COVID. It seems like half of Australia got COVID over the the New Year period and had to isolate for a while, including you and I. Um, so, So that was interesting. Good to have that natural immunity, right? Which is which is very very good. Um, but it just seems like every second person you talk to went through the same experience. Yeah. Um, so I, I think sort of last week or maybe even the weekend before uh, is a true barometer. So I suppose it depends who's asking you whether it's a buyer or the seller. Not in the sense that we need to tell a different story, but certainly uh, there might be a different energy around uh, your, the response, you know. So, yeah, so maybe, a lot of people... Yeah, yeah maybe if we yeah. break it into two sections, Adrian. So I know that, like you said, we had this same question coming from four separate people in different markets, yeah. which was kind of interesting. So it was just naturally the one that we came up with. If we can, yeah. let's maybe start with the buyers, if we can, because I think that we're seeing a lot of activity uh, spurred on by mm. media coverage, um, the yeah. overflow from last year. Now, in saying that, some of the auctions that I was conducting on the weekend, um, two to three or four registrations was the maximum. I spoke to a couple of other colleagues yeah. and other auctioneers within the Sydney metropolitan market, and they were still in the like eights, nines and tens. So I guess it is a bit of a tale of a number of different markets operating, but let's start with the buyers, Adrian. How, what's the best strategy to kind of talk to those buyers and get a really clear understanding of how best to assist them and make sure that we're doing things in their best interests as well as our clients, the sellers. 
Absolutely. Well, I think in any conversation with buyers at the moment, uh, and what I'm sharing with a lot of my coaching clients currently, Troy, and certainly with my immediate team, is to firstly identify what chapter of the buying journey are they on? You know, that's really critical because we all know there's two types of, of buyers, you know, one that wakes up and starts looking at open houses straight away without getting finance, and the other type that goes and gets finance approval and then starts looking at open houses, right? Either way, we're interacting with all of these people and we should be servicing all of them. But when it comes to a buyer making an offer or actually wanting to engage further on price, you probably want to deal with people who are at the latter stage of their buying journey. Otherwise, most of the conversations can be a little bit academic, okay? So I think that that hyper-qualification around you know, do you have formal finance approval? Uh, if we do reach an agreement on price, my vendor would like to know what obstacles do you need to overcome and in what time frame in order to exchange contracts unconditionally and then silence, okay? So that's a very, rather than engaging in a negotiations, like let, let's just put the price aside for a minute. If and when we do reach an agreement on price, my vendor has asked me to ensure that, we have a conversation around if and when we do that, what obstacles do you need to overcome and in what time frame in order to exchange contracts unconditionally? Because at that point, then you speak to a buyer who's like, oh, look, I've just missed out on three properties. I've got a 66W ready to go. Then you know, okay. These, or it's like, oh, actually, I've had a pre-approval, but they have said it's subject to finance and it's subject to getting a uh, valuation. So... Uh, I've been told that I need a five-day cooling off period. Great, good to know. Really, really good to know. Um, so it, it, it triggers it triggers a circumstance from the buyer. So that way, when you do provide feedback to your seller, it's accurate and transparent feedback. Okay, it's really really important. So I think that's critical when you're talking to buyers. Another thing that's critical, Troy, when speaking with buyers, is if they are looking to potentially wait until the market pulls back because that that could be a common narrative and theme at the moment uh, there, there's a lot of media hype about interest rates going up there's a lot of media hype about inflation being too high um, so there's some buyers will say you know what I might I might actually wait and maybe I'll get better value well look I mean there's there's only a couple of things you can you can say. Uh, when you're having that type of conversation. Firstly, I'd be saying, look, you do need to actually find a property you like and make sure that it's at the price you're happy with. Um, and frankly, there's probably 50 or 60% more inventory on the market than there was in the last quarter of last year. And you've been looking since the last quarter of last year. So that's a, that's a big plus. Secondly, if the market does correct itself, you realise it's going to be in the single digits. We're talking like 2 or 3%. We're, we're not going to see a, a, an adjustment of double digit, 10% or more. We know that to be true because other macroeconomic factors such as employment, um, such as um, household debt, such as uh, the interest rates still being, you know, incredibly low. Um, so we know, we know that, that, that if there is a correction, that it's likely to be in the single digits. And therefore, what's the opportunity cost of you waiting? Uh, will it be that you'll miss out on your dream property 
because you are hoping that you might save $20,000 in four months' time and that may never happen? Uh, is it that you're going to spend less time with your family and perhaps less time in your business because you are self-employed or you're, you're on a commission-based employment? So the opportunity cost is quite high because you're going to continue every weekend to view property and during the week speak to agents, email agents. So what's the opportunity cost of, of not spending time at your business place of work or family, that's quite high. Or number three, the opportunity cost of continuing to rent if that's what you're doing. And one thing we do know for sure is rents are going up, okay? So I think I think we need to put things into perspective and that might seem a bit direct, but I don't think so. I think it's more of a trusted advisor type approach, Troy. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Adrian. And I think that um, one thing that we have noticed over the past two years is that both buyers and sellers, potentially a lot of the buyers actually, more specifically buyers, really do appreciate uh, the straight talk. Uh, they appreciate yeah. the transparency. So I think if uh, anyone listening to this just follows what you just mentioned, um, you're going to be in a much better position because they're going to be more truthful and they're going to give you more information. It's actually not trying to get into, like you said, that negotiation there and there on the spot. It's actually trying to get to the core of, how fast can they move? Now, Adrian, on the other side of that, um, you know, but as sellers right now, they're starting to be a little bit more flexible with their offering. So I've, I've heard mm. a number of examples where people are negotiating on the spot on auction floor and getting results. Um, they're adjusting their expectations because they know they want to move on to the next part of their journey. Mm. They want to potentially buy again. But also, Adrian, I know that there's a lot of flexibility around and favoritism around settlement terms right now with sellers. Um, properties mm. that have been offered at a similar level, they're getting similar offers. Um, one settlement period, maybe even a little bit more than the previous one settlement period can be six months or 12 months mm. uh, in some cases and uh, sellers right now they're taking a lower offer but a quicker settlement mm. because they want the money because of the uncertainty so adrian if i can ask you the same question about sellers what are you saying to them right now out there in the market that's better engaging with them to make the right decisions uh, about the next step mm. again you need to identify what chapter of their selling uh, journey they're on, not dissimilar to buyers, okay? So um, a lot of agents, unfortunately, waste a lot of time, energy and resources on quote-unquote off-market sales, mm. okay? And if one of these sales has a very low motivation to sell, I think every agent watching this or listening to this has delivered uh, what they believe to be an absolute premium offer to an off-market seller and the off-market seller doesn't accept it. Why? Because the agent was trying to be an alchemist. An alchemist is someone who turns uh, stone into gold. He, sometimes you just can't do it, right? Um, so what I think happens? I experienced that late last year, Adrian. I was trying to make that uh, real happen and it there didn't you happen. Go. Uh, and it there was, you go. It was, uh, yeah. There was no sifting. It was simply rock to gold instantly overnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> agents have all been in that position. And, and perhaps if they didn't listen to this, we'll continue to do it in, in that you're wasting a lot of time, energy and resources, number one, which is a very high opportunity cost because during that energy, time and resource, you could either be with your family or making 35 prospecting calls or attending three listing appointments. Worse though, worse, you burn the buyer. You yeah. burn the buyer and burn a relationship. 
Um, and and then it gets even worse when that owner is ready to sell, right? In in because they were only at chapter three of their selling journey, and when they do get to chapter nine or ten in in two years time, they probably won't select you because you know it just it didn't feel right at the time, right? So that's just insanity. Now, am I advocating that off markets are not part of your strategy? No, but I believe, and in my coaching, I've got three. Uh, very basic metrics to qualify for an off-market. Number one is they've got to sign an exclusive agency agreement for a minimum of 30 days. Number two, they've got to have a contract of sale. And number three, you've got to have taken photos, copy floor plan, not to go on REA and domain, but for you to be able to email buyers or even perhaps put on your own website as a minimum. If it's if it's not that, then then the term does equal the situation off market, which I don't even like the term. I would call that more of a soft launch yeah. or more of a pre-portal type campaign, which mm. that's what I would call it, okay? Um, off market is called off market for a reason because it's not on the market. The owners don't want to sell, but you've been trying to be an alchemist and, and, and waste time, energy and resources, right? So yeah. I think the first thing is let's, as you said, let's be a master sifter or qualifier Let's not try and be an alchemist, okay? Um, number two is, is, is there's not many owners at the moment that are saying, I'll wait till the market improves because the media is doing a very, very good job of instilling fear um, into people uh, given interest rates are probably not even going to move for like 12 months, right? But the media have, are really onto it at the moment. And they're comparing the, this market to last year, which any market you compare to last year is going to seem pale in comparison. And then they're, they're talking about interest rates going up. Well, the cash rate's basically zero. So if our central bank, which in our case in Australia is the reserve bank, decides to increase that, well, let me tell you, they haven't moved. They haven't moved in an upwards fashion for 11 years, which is unprecedented, right? So. It, it, it's not like we're going to get back to the late 80s, you know, where they were 17%. So this alarmism is very typical of the media. And if you look at what they've done in the last two years over the COVID situation, they're experts in installing fear into people, okay, absolute experts. So um, I don't think there's any vendor out there at the moment who's made a, a, a decision to imminently sell, let's call it the next 6, 12, 18 months, who thinks the market's going to get any better. So... I believe that, that you, you won't necessarily have to uh, wrestle with that. So anyone who's serious about selling, I think, has accepted the market is what it is. Um, however, what is critical is double downing on, on, on vendor communication, like literally daily communication, weekly face-to-face, twice-weekly email reports, and it needs to be indiscriminate of whether it's good news or bad news, whether the, the buyers are coming through at the level the owner is interested in or, or, or less or more, uh, not dissimilar to a doctor, lawyer, accountant who just provide feedback, indiscriminate whether it's so-called good or so-called bad feedback. They're, they're a trusted advisor who is indiscriminate in terms of their recommendations based on objective uh, feedback from uh, either a diagnosis or, in our case, biofeedback. Yeah, Adrian, and that's something that I have noticed. When the market is slightly more buoyant, there seems to be a lot more complacency 
in relying on what I believe is one of the best tools that agents have uh, in educating their owners on the current market conditions, which is exactly what you mentioned just before, which was the twice weekly email reports. Now, a lot of agents, when the market's really buoyant, there's a lot of activity, that is the first thing to drop off. Why? Because we're all time poor. People get busy and they get on the hamster wheel. That has to be one of the best reference points uh, in negotiating, in educating and having your sellers really understand what's happening with their property. You know, as you just mentioned mm. earlier, there's so many different markets at play. Um, a good result on auction day, maybe three registered parties and two of those actively bidding. Another great result, maybe 15 of those parties uh, uh, actively registered and 10 of those bidding. It's all different right now. And it's regarding the price point, the location and the proximity to amenities that people are real still, still really fighting for. But Adrian, having those reports is allowing our really successful agents to go guide their sellers along the journey so they can say, well, remember last week we said if we didn't get this person to come back with a subsequent offer, we were going to have to look at readjusting our guide or changing up something during the campaign. Um, I yeah. really strongly encourage all the agents on this and following this and listening to this is to reevaluate your email system, uh, the way that you're reporting back to your owners. Is it as good as it could be? Is it pages upon pages upon pages or is it straight to the point? My personal preference, you get it straight to the point. Adrian's personal preference, twice a week. I love that idea and I love that it's emailed to them. You can get a really good dialogue on the back of that and follow up with a phone call. I think it makes a lot of sense given where we currently see the market in Australia. Absolutely. And that weekly face-to-face is absolutely critical. Um, a lot of agents think, oh, is, it, is that really necessary? Well, yes, it is, regardless of the market. Why? Because you're displaying evidence of effort before displaying evidence of market feedback. And it needs to be in that order. And we've talked about this on a few occasions on this podcast. And the more effort you put in, the more you're going to be able to deliver market feedback and you're linking arms with the owner. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a team effort. Um, you know, you're, you've got skin in the game. You're side by side with the owner in this journey for the, for the two to four weeks, whatever time it takes to get the property sold. Um, and you, you make sure that you're following that exact process. And, and once people veer off the process, which is, you know, daily communication, twice weekly email, weekly face-to-face, then that's when they start thinking, oh, you know, I don't have many buyers. Well, if you got in front of the owner and explained that you could have more buyers the following week because we're slightly off track and I've got some ideas around price presentation and marketing in order to get it back on track, well, then you'd have more buyers. Yeah, frequency builds trust, Adrian. Can't stress that enough to everyone. As we start to wrap up episode number 126, AB, I just would love to get your final thoughts on anyone that's currently going through uh, challenges out there in the market. Maybe they've got a property that was due to go to auction last weekend. It passed in. What are some of the things that you'd be doing as we start to wrap up episode 126? Yeah, so if if there is a property that's uh, been passed in at auction, I actually wrote a piece on uh, REB, which you could go and have a look at that, which is a, a, a bit of a plan, if you like, uh, around around uh, passed in auctions or even private treaty that's, that's remaining on the market for, for, for too long. Uh, effectively, what we talked about there was um, 
adjusting the marketing, you know, whether it's the copywriting, the photography, um, then also if you haven't got a social media plan, adopt one immediately. You only need to spend about $150 to boost some type of video, either a professional video or perhaps even just an iPhone video yourself. Um, you, then what I would also do is uh, contact buyers agents, get them through if they haven't been through. Um, then what you can also do is um, look at refreshing, refreshing realestate.com, domain.com back to a premier and premium listing. Um, what you could also do is looking at publishing the price in the states of Australia that allow published pricing. If you're not doing that, then I would strongly recommend it. Um, and if it is a private sale or a private treaty, I would uh, adopt more of a fixed asking price than a range because a range is very much related to an auction where one benefit of private treaty or private sale is people can identify with a buy now price, if you like. And all of these consumers are used to that type of process because on eBay and Amazon and Uber Eats and all, there, there is a buy now price that they can identify with that. Um, so there's a few little tips there. And certainly uh, if your days on market are exploding or you've got a past in auction, the first thing you need to do is sit down in front of your vendor or your seller and say, okay, if we don't get this property sold, what, what's, what's plan B? What's option, what's option two? Well, we don't really have one. We've got to get sold. Okay, great. So the only reason we haven't sold it up to date is that uh, we either haven't found the right buyer, therefore we need to review marketing and presentation, or we have, but your expectations are too high. There's not many grey areas in between. It's quite binary. So we need to adjust one of, one of those factors and get the campaign on track. And we only need to one, find one buyer and I'm very confident if you follow my recommendations around price presentation marketing that we can get it sold in the next 14 days, you know, and that, that's the sort of trusted advisor type prescription or solution you need to deliver. Yeah, perfect. All right, guys, that's episode number 126 on the Adrian Bowe podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. Uh, Adrian, thanks again. Good luck to everyone that is running campaigns to auctions this weekend throughout the metropolitan markets. I know, and also our regional markets, they're equally as busy at the moment, those lifestyle factors, Adrian. I know this is set to be another big weekend. Um, so good luck to everyone out there. Episode number 127 coming to you, same time, same channel next week. AB, thanks again and see you all very soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Troy.